Hello everyone, welcome back to our podcast, very glad that you are with us. There's a, f- a few less of us with us uh, this week. Uh, Lachlan is not able to join us and Luke has uh, got some family visiting who have managed to make it into Australia from uh, overseas, which is great. So uh, it's just Ken and I today. And uh, Ken, I'm looking very forward I'm looking forward very much to uh, this third chapter. I've read through it, and there's going to be some interesting discussion in it. Well, I think there is. Um, hello, everybody. Ken here. Uh, just as a bit of an update, uh, between the last recording and this recording, um, I've had the privilege of being the second Tasmanian magistrate to contract COVID-19. So hmm. I'm just about to come out of my um, week's isolation. Um some significant disruption because of uh, uh, my family who have to isolate and the social contacts that others have had. Um, uh, but I'm not alone in that. Uh, we're uh, in the middle of a global pandemic. So uh, uh, I've experienced it firsthand. And the interesting thing was, I was the, I am the, having said that I'm the second Tasmania magistrate, I didn't realise that. Uh, I thought I was the first. Um, not that there's any great... Uh, uh, kudos in being the first, um, uh, but I'm the only person I know uh, with COVID. So uh, fortunately, my family members, after their isolation, have all tested negative, and uh, uh, I have no idea uh, where I managed to pick it up, except that it's making its way steadily through our community. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, on that note, uh, Ken, I know that in Launceston, our Sabbath school is not running at the moment because of uh, you know, concern over the way that the virus is exploding, the, the strain it's putting on healthcare system here in Tassie. And uh, this podcast started as a way to have some discussion uh, and some reflective thought during times of shutdown. So you know, I'd encourage any of our listeners, if, if you're again find yourself in the situation where church isn't quite running how you'd like and you, you know of someone who might appreciate this, feel free to, to pass the link on if, if you think you know someone who'd benefit. Uh, what we're doing in this podcast is going sequentially through Hebrews uh, for two reasons. Uh, one is it, there's a serendipitous coincidence that the book has 13 chapters and we do our studies in 13-week blocks, so why not spend a week on each chapter? And uh, secondly, because the book has a fairly nuanced, carefully developed argument and uh, the, the skipping and jumping of the lesson quarterly, which has many good ideas in it, uh, we felt wasn't really the sort of Bible study that this book invites uh, because it, it does tend to build on an argument. Can let me try and recap the argument to this point. Uh, we start with a, a thesis statement. The thesis statement is that Christ is the embodiment of God's glory. He's God's perfect representation. He is the means through which God created the world. Christ is, in fact, supreme. That's in the first couple of verses of, of chapter 1. And then the author says, well, you guys know about angels. Angels are pretty impressive. And, and no one who ever saw an angel in the Bible doubted the, the angel's divine nature. They, an encounter with an angel is uniformly overwhelming. <laughs> and, uh, and he says, well, you know these angels. Well, Christ is, is so much, so much you know, above the angels. And uh, that was the end of chapter 1. And then in chapter 2... Uh, what did we have in chapter 2? Well, in chapter 2, um, we found that, in fact, he was a little lower than the angels um, in the sense that uh, he became a man. 
so uh, he became yeah. a human being. So he was uh, like uh, a human being. Um, and, and for that, a time. And, uh, for a time. And uh, that enabled him to uh, empathise uh, with our condition. Um, and we looked at the ways in which uh, that identification uh, with humanity uh, could be uh, both a um, uh, give uh, us encouragement um, uh, as well as enable him to perform his role effectively. What the second chapter of Hebrews reminded me of, uh, Ken, as you described it, was the verse in Philippians, I think, 2, uh, we should put on the nature of Christ who was equal with God, but didn't see that equality as something uh, to be used to his own advantage, but became a man. And, um, you know, chapter 1 is the supreme Christ, and in chapter 2 we find that Christ was for a little while lower than the angels and achieved glory through suffering, and he was also there so that he could bring many children to glory mm-hmm. uh, with him. Uh, so that's that's where we're up to now as we start chapter 3. Chapter 3, uh, we're going to hearken back to another great you know, high point, a, a focal point, an agreed, an agreed goodie in the story of Judaism, as it were. Well, he's not really a goodie, but, you know, a um, highly admired person. And Christ is going to be re, re, um, compared to, to him. And there's some interesting discussion here. Ken, do you want to uh, kick us off, start reading at the start of chapter 3? Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. Can I stop you there, Ken? Yeah. First, that makes me think of, in the Gospel of John, the man born blind. He goes to the Pharisees. He says, look, I've been, you know, healed on the Sabbath. Pharisees don't seem too keen about that. And they say, well, who did it? And he doesn't know, and then he finds out it's Christ, and he tells the Pharisees, and the Pharisees say, yeah, you need to tell us the truth. We know this man, Christ, is a sinner. Um, we know Moses was a prophet, but we do not know where this man came from, mm. is what mm. they say. So there's an unfavorable comparison to Moses. And the blind man's response is beautiful. He says, well, that's interesting. I know. I was blind, and now I can see, um, <laughs> which is which is knowledge of a you know much more immediate sense uh it's really interesting just the um force of conviction that this book carries Mm. it puts Mm. a statement right out there without apology Mm. uh you know jesus is as much greater than moses as the builder of a house is than the house Mm. in that sense it's more polemical than uh apologetic uh (laughs) yeah unpack the words ken so apologetic um, is when you try and convince someone who maybe... When you're trying to persuade somebody. Yeah. Whereas a yeah. polemic... Well, polemic may be too strong a word, uh, but it's a uh, uh, an unjustified, firmly made statement. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that's... Uh, the, the other the other text that it reminded me of here um, is uh, we have a Jesus' illustration of the um, uh, the wise and the foolish builders of houses um, yeah. 
so uh, it, 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 simply because it was a reference to the construction of a house. <laughs> yeah, but can that actually is going to tie in at the very last verse of the chapter? I, 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 there's a connection there that I'd like to unpack when we get there. Can you keep reading? Maybe if you read ooh, up to verse 11. Okay. Um, For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house, if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me for forty years, saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, Their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Yeah, this this is a great um, book to follow on from a study of Deuteronomy. Oh, it's uh, a wonderful it, book to study on from the follow of Deuteronomy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you understand what it's wonderful yes. for that purpose. <laughs> yeah, it, um, there's a lot of common themes here. Uh, and a Deuteronomy is, is you know, in many ways a rhapsody or a, a exploration or attacking this event, this wandering of the wilderness and the delayed entry into the promised land. Mm. From Interesting. multiple lenses, from looking backward and forward. Uh, this, I don't think, is a quote from Deuteronomy. I think it's a quote from Psalms. Psalms 95, verses 7 to 11. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the things I like about it is the immediacy of it today now i i don't know about you cam but uh, almost every uh, pathfinder campery altar call um or uh you know post baptismal altar call uh, says now's the moment you know now's the time to make the decision uh yeah. and I, I don't know you whether you, you remember those and i always used to feel there was a lot of emotional uh pressure and sometimes i think inappropriate coercion and manipulation that was involved in some yeah. of those experiences um but 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 it is important to that we have this moment um, yeah no you're right ken uh the altar call issue is complicated by the fact that we're all different sorts of people mm. uh david mitchell a british comedian on a panel comedy light humorous show called uh, would i lie to you uh, once described uh, to people uh, what it was like growing up as a timorous child. He said he was very afraid of the sun because it had been explained to him that um, if you look at the sun, you can go blind. And so he would walk around with his eyes very deliberately on the ground. And if, if inadvertently the sun passed through his vision and it leaves that sort of glowing for a few <laughs> seconds, yeah. he, he would be sure that this was the beginning of the eternal darkness. <laughs> and um, someone at this point interrupted him and said, you know, what was your childhood like, David? Were you frightened of any other things? And he said, oh, yes, most things. Uh, <laughs> and then he said, then he said, uh, the trouble is that there are some uh, children who are reckless and some who are timorous. And for their safety, warnings are calibrated for reckless children. Yes. Which means that the timorous children go through life completely <laughs> overwhelmed. And he said, what I needed to be told was, do you know what, most days it's going to be okay. You, you probably won't die. Uh, you reckon if someone had told him that every day, that would help. Now, um, 
there are some people for whom it's probably really important to say, do you know what? Stop procrastinating. Stop putting yeah. it off. Now's the time. Yeah. There's there's other people, and I can think of some people in my Sabbath school growing up and church growing up who were fairly relaxed, sort of laissez-faire. Um, that's not quite... Would perhaps make decisions without thinking, thinking them through very carefully. Sort of people who would be uh, easy prey for a con man. Mm. And what they probably needed to be told was, actually, don't make this decision now. Mm. Go home and think about what it really means. Mm. 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 Oh, look, that's that, that, that's very good. One of the um, uh, we come across this line again where we've and we've spoken about it um, in relation to Pharaoh. Uh, Do not harden mm. your hearts. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I've been trying to persuade Wendy that I need a miniature schnauzer. Um, mm. You know, now that we're basically empty nesters. Um, uh, Although it would seem likely that our daughter Katie will be coming back home, which is uh, lovely to study at UTAS in Launceston. Um, uh, be that as it may, I've been trying to persuade her and she has not done it. Um, I bought myself a, uh, a calendar with pictures of miniature schnauzers on it um, uh, for Christmas and wrapped it up uh, with a little note, uh, which purported to be from Wendy, uh, in which she said that uh, uh, this was... The only these were the only miniature schnauzers I was ever going to see, and even though there was no legitimate reason why I couldn't have one, she had, like Pharaoh, hardened her heart, and I yeah. was not going to have one. I was just going to have these photographs. Um, uh, so we come across that common theme again, uh, and yeah. then and then we come across this other theme that we that we saw um, uh, with um, uh, Josiah when we looked at King Josiah where their hearts are always going astray. Uh, so you remember yeah. that, that uh, Josiah turned neither to the right or to the left. Um, so he yeah. stayed on track, if you like, whereas here we have hearts that are going astray. And we also have here, interesting, they have not known my ways. How does one get to know the ways of God? What are the ways? I, I used to study uh, karate at university, uh, and it was... You know the way, um, uh, yeah. somewhat um, uh, that would cause difficulty for many people. I think uh, because Christianity is referred to as the way. Um, uh, but um, how does one get to know the ways or the way uh, of God? I think some evidence that we know the ways of God is our participation in them. Uh, so there's the verse in Isaiah where God says, hey, you're, you're observing Sabbaths and you're holding fasts and you're doing lots of great things, religious things, but you're not looking after the fatherless and the widow. and the, don't, don't you know I care about these people? Uh, don't you know that I'm in the business of sticking up for people who, who can't stick up for themselves and you're neglecting them? Uh, so um, I mean, we often are told that all we have to do is get our picture of God right and... Um, that knowledge will, will flow out through our actions and affect our actions in a needy world, which is, which is true. If we have a true picture of God, then that will, that will flow outwards. Uh, but there are many people who think they have a true picture of God. Uh, all of us, 
all of us who who suppose ourselves all of us who think we know anyone are mistaken at some points you know friends and families and spouses still surprise us sometimes so this is not just a feature of our relationship with god but especially our relationship with god when we presume to act on god's behalf and we're not actually acting on god's behalf that's an awful thing i think i think it's much nicer to reverse the paradigm it's much nicer to say um you will know whether your picture of god is correct or not by whether or not your actions are improving the world Mm. Uh, and that is how one can know his ways mm. and know mm. that you know his ways. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm going to pick up and read. You, you read verse 11, didn't you, Ken? I did. Verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Well, I think it's interesting that so there's this theme of hardening the hearts and you're about to come to verse 15, although there's verse 14 in the middle. Um, yeah. and, and again, there'll be a reference to do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And what is it that hardens? It's sin's deceitfulness. Yeah, I've, uh, this, uh, we've commented on this before in the podcast, Ken, but if you were to decide to li- live, you had two lives... And you're going to conduct an experiment. You say, I'm going to try and be virtuous in one of them. And the other, I'm just going to be a selfish, greedy, you know, arrogant person, always looking out for number one. And at the end of the, each life, I'll sit back and I'll decide whether which life is the best. Um, what you would find is that both, if you had two people who made that decision at the start of their life, both of them at the end of their life would think they'd made the right choice. Mm. Mm. Because it's, it's a feature of sin that... You know, the, the more selfish you become, the more you feel like people are not looking out for your interests and that you need to stick up for them. Mm. Um, and that if you don't, no one else will. And it's self-reinforcing. Mm. The, the, the awful thing about sin's deceitfulness is that, uh, to a very large extent, uh, sin has a habit of making sinful things feel normal. Mm. 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 That's a good insight. Carry on. Verse 14, we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And then here, this is where I think the author really twists the knife, Ken. Yeah. Who was it who heard and rebelled? Remember, he's, he's, Moses is this great prophet. The, think of the Pharisees. We know Moses was a prophet, but we don't know who this person, who Christ is, where he came from, which is a slight against his illegitimate um Mary's illegitimate conception, I think, when the Pharisees say, we don't know where this man came from. It's it's a nasty comment. Uh, it's not a, just a statement of unbelief. But Moses is the prophet, right? Okay, well, who was it that heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? Yeah, see, that's not as tight as I thought. I thought Moses was included. Maybe I was looking at a different translation. No, no, but, check but diff- well, I don't know, but I still think it's a good point, Cam. Um, uh, no, no, it was in the next one. And with yeah. whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? That's yep. the part, because that includes Moses. That, in, that does include Moses. The other interesting thing about that is, and with whom was he angry for 40 years? I mean, we put Moses yeah. up there on this pedestal as this, this patient, uh, judicial, um, uh, person, wise, discerning, uh, man of God. Um, and yet, he was angry with them for 40 years. Um, uh, uh, now, I, look, perhaps over a period of 40 years, 
he had occasion to be angry with them is perhaps what yeah. it's really saying. I um, think that's what it's saying, yeah. But, but, but it's, it's certainly, at first reading of it, you say he harboured this anger for 40 years. And if we reflect back again to Deuteronomy, which is why it's really good yeah. to do this study yeah. immediately after we've done Deuteronomy, you'll yeah. remember that there are all those occasions when Moses said, the reason I can't go into the promised land is because of all the bad things that you did and because you made me get upset with you. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, Which is not what it says in Numbers. No, no that's uh, quite so. <laughs> yeah. And the, what God says is, you did not believe in me enough to uh, honour me in front of the people. Uh, now. Because Moses, Moses stands up and he says, must I give you water from this rock? And he hits the rock. And God says, you didn't honour me. I still gave them water because they needed water. But you, you didn't say that God is supplying this water. You claimed to do it. And it, that was a lack of, of trust. You didn't trust in me enough to honour me in front of the people. So go on and uh, read verse 18 then, Cam. Yeah. After and to you whom did your God, point. <laughs> and to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Yes. Now... That is tricky because it begins with the word so. So he's, he's just talked about obedience. There were some people who disobeyed God. They didn't do what God said. It included Moses, actually, but all the people in the, who died in the wilderness, right? They didn't do what God said. They didn't do what God said. They didn't obey. And it's all about obedience. And they didn't know God's ways. And um, they tried and tested me. These are all actions, physical actions that they've done of disobedience. And then the concluding verse is so. Ah, so this is like... This is going to flow directly from what we've just heard. So they were not allowed to enter because of their unbelief. This is really critical. It's a really critical point, Ken. The The connection between our beliefs and our actions uh, yeah. is, is central uh, to yeah. this. And um, often we treat belief as some intellectual switch. Um, uh, if we, we, we say we believe something, if we think uh, it is true as a cognitive process, yeah. that is not sufficient for belief. What we truly believe is demonstrated by what we do, uh, because we inevitably act in accordance with what we actually believe. Belief, belief could be defined, Ken, as uh, no, it's not certainty uh, by any means, but it's when we have become sufficiently convinced of something for it to become a basis for action. Yes. We act on the basis that it is true. We act on the basis that it's true. So we say, um, you know, I cannot be 100% convinced that this student cheated in a test because I didn't see them. But there's a string of highly suspicious circumstances and they have a history of it and things begin to add up. And then you say, all right, well, I am now forced, I'm now going to have to take a course of action that presupposes they cheated on that test. Moderated perhaps a little bit by the complicating factors or any ambiguities, but I'm, I'm now, as a teacher, I can't ignore this anymore. I'm going to have to act on it. I, I don't know if that's the best example, but, um, you know, it's not certainty. It's just when it's reached a point where it requires action. Uh, in the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, one of the things that screw tape, who's a devil advising other de devils on how to tempt humans, uh, identifies as one of the great triumphs of the demonic campaign is uh, the separation of, in their minds at least, of people's beliefs from their actions. Yes. When people, in the Middle Ages, when people believed things, they 
they were fully prepared to put it into action. But we've taught people just to indulge in speculation and, you know, believe things without really forcing them, you know, with no discipline of trying, making people think about how that ought to affect their actions. And um, what we believe is shown by actions. There's a story of the, the scientist who had a horseshoe over his lab on the door. And one of the students said to him, oh, Professor, I'm surprised to see a horseshoe up there. I didn't think you were a superstitious sort. Oh, oh no, he said, no, I'm not superstitious. The horseshoe doesn't make any difference at all. But I've, I've heard it helps whether you believe in it or not. <laughs> uh, but isn't that sometimes how we treat prayer? Um, uh, and, and you know, well, look, I really don't believe in it, but I've heard it helps even if, whether I believe in it or not. Uh, so we, we treat we treat our interaction with God um, as some superstitious mumbo jumbo, um, yeah. Uh, rather than uh, an actual belief. And what what they're saying, what the author here is saying is, all right, you you this is written to the Hebrews. You believe in God, right? Do do you really believe in Him? Do you believe in Him enough to stay true to what you believe in adverse circumstances? Because if you don't, you don't really believe in Him. You don't know God's ways. You're not... I mean, and there's that verse earlier up that says, and we are his house, we are God's house, back at the early chapter. Yes. Because God's, you know, rules over... Christ rules over God's house. And we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Uh, so uh, the point at which... The point at which you discover if you really believe is that point where you have to really decide Put how you're going to act yes and this this is why i like your parable of the house because we sing the song with kids yes uh, the wise man builds his house upon the rock and the house comes tumbling down uh what's the moral of that story ken who is who is the person who builds his house on the rock uh, you and i uh build the house on the rock is that right I hope so. We're meant to, but what's the what's the characteristic that separates the person who builds the house on the rock as opposed to the sand? Uh, I'll have to sing the song. Um, no, it's not in the song. Oh no! Oh well, then I bet it won't do any good to sing the song. No, no, it's a bad song. The characteristic is this: Christ says, "You build your house upon the rock if you hear these words and do, do them. them." Yes, yes. And the yes. person who builds his house on the sand is like the person who hears the words. But doesn't do them. Yeah, doesn't actually put them into action. That's very challenging, Cam. I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't think of anything in, at, right at this moment in, in time. Uh, uh, but that's a defect in my ability to exercise my imagination and memory creatively. Um, uh, what is it that I am not prepared to put into action? Uh, where yeah. my, where is my unbelief in God? Yeah. Where is my unbelief in the goodness of God? Uh, that yeah. that means that I am not prepared to act on the basis that He is good. Um, uh, that's a that's a challenging thought. Yeah, yeah, it's a very challenging thought. Uh, the authors of Hebrews are certainly laying it on pretty thick. If you were if you were a newly convert to Christianity and you're a Jew and you were starting to suffer persecution as a Christian that you would not be suffering as a Jew, um, and you were looking a bit wistfully at uh, just maybe letting go of some of the new ideas you'd, you'd caught a hold of, wondering if they really mattered, 
uh, this would be a very compelling sermon. Challenging. Yeah. Well, I think there's plenty of challenge in there for us, Cam. I mean, maybe that's a good question yeah. for us to, uh, uh, to take not, away. And it's not, I don't want to, like, fuel... This, this division between Christianity and Judaism has been used to justify all sorts of awful you know, acts in the name of anti-Semitism. I don't think that's what it's about. There was, a, there was an interesting um, shift where one of the recent popes identified Jews who had stayed true to their faith in the face of centuries of persecution, you know, post-Christ, as being true to God. Mm. Obviously, the pope doesn't is not a Jew, and he, he believes the Jews are mistaken in many points. But he says, according to God, you know, as they are taught through their culture and their surroundings, these people stayed true in the face of some of them. Awful circumstances. And he, he affirmed them for that. So it's not... And, of course, there are many Christians who wave their flag very high as having been Christians and therefore correct in every way, who sometimes don't do, you know, what God says. In many ways, the division that's here is not a division in intellectual conviction. It's not. It's not saying you know identifying as a Christian is what God wants, or identifying as a Jew, or identifying as a Buddhist or an atheist. What what God is interested in is when He reveals something to you. And Ellen White, I know, refers to God's inspiration in in other cultures and other peoples who don't know the Christian message. When God does inspire something to you and you're convicted of it, that it's the right thing to do, do you do it? At, at the end of the day, um, uh, the truth is, uh, oftentimes, perhaps most times, I simply don't. Um, and and that's that that's a real challenge. Uh, mm. While we're on the theme of building, um, and I observe that we've approached thirty minutes of recording yeah, time already, so we can probably wrap up. Uh, use this as you wish. Um, but I was also reminded, given that God is the builder of this house, of the uh, Psalms one hundred and twenty-seven, um, which starts. Uh, with in this way, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. That's the school psalm at grammar. So at the start of every assembly, the chaplain says, unless the Lord builds the house and all the students say, um, the labourers lost that build it. Ah, well, there you go. Good, good, um, uh, uh, a good thing, a good thing to start the, the meeting with, I would have thought. Yeah. How does the Lord build the house of my actions? Yeah, and Ken, we're not finished. So in verse chapter 4, without giving anything away from next week's discussion, we discovered that we actually have a high priest, and the high priest was there and the priestly system was there to accommodate for situations where the people didn't do everything that God expected of them. And we actually have a high priest. We don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we have, yet who didn't sin. So we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Mm. So we're only yet part way through this this narrative. Mm. Um, and um, I mean, I, I think the essential point is the essential point that chapter three is establishing is that what the people in the in the desert. What the Israelites in the desert really believed about God was shown yeah. in how they acted. Yeah. The same is true of us. So we ought to be very attentive to what our actions reveal about what we believe. Yes. Excellent summary. Good. Well, uh, we're going to leave it there. Slightly shorter podcast. Uh, 
we are, like I said, there's usually four people presenting this and we're all a bit hither and yon at the moment in the holiday season. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Uh, we do hope that this podcast promotes discussions in your own homes and in your own churches and where we have deviated from the clear and correct path or where we may need, it seems, some encouragement or if you have just an interesting uh, comment of any sort to share with us then uh, you can send that to us by email to sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail.com and uh, as I said, share the podcast with anyone you think that would like it and uh, we release these every week so join us again next week as we look at the next chapter of Hebrews.